Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, we ask your blessing upon our wisdom and understanding and um, give us eyes to see and understanding of the paths that are coming and uh, which, which way we should go. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. Amen. All right, I'm going to continue with Faction Cannot Prevail, number 12. At the time of the man-child Jesus' birth, angels came and spoke to the shepherds. The same word as pastors, by the way, which is a type for today. It's happening. The angels told us that in the future we would be speaking to one another when in dangerous territory by the Spirit. Emails and texts and other physical forms of communication are hacked by governments and Satanists and are very dangerous. And this is true if you are a Christian missionary among an unfavorable religious society, right? For example, one of our leading missionaries emails to me were intercepted by the Catholic Satanists who have shown me so in emails to me. And they are attacking the Christians and killing some, just like the Satanists here under Kevin, who has shared information with them to help them to kill our missionaries. He just hacked my email to get in touch with the leader of the Catholic Assassins, who already received information from him to help them kill our missionaries. The Lord impressed me to practice this spirit communication, but not that everyone should because there's no need and it could be dangerous if you don't know who you are speaking to, right? Our angels were are teaching uh, over me and watching over me and giving information on the enemy. And I went to the Lord and asked if we could begin to talk this way, and so Baruch and the angels helped me, and we did. So this morphed into total communication between us. And uh, we go to the Father for everything to be sure uh, that we send the angels correctly. It's a learning process, and I'm in it, and I've asked for it. And uh, I know it's going to be very needed in the future. So this communication involved either spoken words or thoughts. And all I had to do was to address him by name. And this would open a line of communication between us that was totally natural, like you were sitting in the same room. Well, this morphed into not even calling on the angel, just speaking or thinking communication with the angels. Eve uh, could speak to them this way before being taken down by the Satanists. 
And now she doesn't believe in dreams or these angels or anything else biblical. So that proves it's right. She works for Kevin, whom uh, she is completely submissive to because of the demons that he put on her, including witchcraft, voodoo, slander, lust, fornication, and adultery. So she would do her job for them. And uh, I'm sure some people might say, David, why would you not cast these demons off of her? Well, we have done this many times, Michael and I, with some of these demons in the past, but recently God would give us no grace to do this because she entered into willful disobedience. And also, now the Lord has told us that He is bringing her through this, this whole experience. And He told us He's going to bring her all the way to the bottom. That's what He told us. Uh, And this is to humble her and to be an advocate for those taken advantage of by these filthy Satanists. And also, in parallel, the Catholic Satanists were caught by the government raping the children in the Middle East orphanage that they took over. And uh, some of the children have been trafficked. And these men were judged with a liver disease. And some uh, were arrested. So these are the ones Kevin gave information to to help them kill our missionaries. And also we have seen Kevin alive. You say, well, how could that be? Well, (laughs) as I was told by the Lord and confirmed by the angels that the prophetic words and visions given to us were not meant to be immediate, but were like prophecies and visions in the Bible, that need to get out before coming to pass. The Lord assured me that it was all still coming and would be revealed, including the deaths of the wicked Satanists. Minus, of course, the elect among them, because there's elect everywhere in every stoop out there, you know, that are going to come out and give the message and repent and confess their sins and everything. So, And we're going to see all this. And also, the one to bring this to pass is not me, uh, but the anointed man-child. I was merely acting it out as prophets have done in the past, in the Bible. But here is where it is actually fulfilled. Listen, Isaiah 62, 11 and 12. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the earth, Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. So this is the Lord coming in the man-child ministry uh, to render the judgments prophesied. And notice that the reward comes after the judgment. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And thou shalt be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. Talking about Zion. And and then continuing on into 63, 1 through 4. Who is this that cometh from Edom? That's those who killed their elect brethren. With dyed garments from Bozrah. That's the Edomite sheepfold. Uh, this that is glorious in his peril, marching in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save, therefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat. 
I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the peoples there was no man with me. Yea, I trod them in mine anger, and trampled them in my wrath, and their life blood is sprinkled. I believe that this sprinkling of the blood represents hemorrhagic fevers, right? Upon thy, my garments, and I have stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. Send your redemption, O Lord. Thank you, Father. So, we've shared with you that a Marburg and possibly Ebola attack is said and dreamed to be coming, which are hemorrhagic fevers, where the victim bleeds out of every orifice in their body. Uh, hence, the blood sprinkled on the garments and pestilence and blood, quote, um, as the word speaks of. And the Lord also told us that he would use this to remove many wicked people from the earth and some who just don't need to be here for the tribulation. And I believe that the deep state will attempt to use this plague to stop the wealth transfer of their stolen wealth. And um, and I believe the Lord told me that this will take down the Satanists who have attacked us here and overseas. And we shall see. And here's a word that we got concerning a an attack. And we called it Wizard and Witch Attack on UBM. And this is Marie Kelton. This warning of an attack by the Satanists has already come to pass. It just did. Right? During the meeting, I had an open vision of a frog and a snake coming around the corner to a neighborhood during the night. The neighborhood had street lights on. The frog and the snake um, the turned turned into a wizard and a witch with a black hooded cloak on. So uh, both of them had this black hooded cloak on. Satanists have to do their work in darkness for they know that they're not acceptable with any decent people. Their slander and doctored emails and audios and have to be hidden behind passwords so no one can object to their lies and slander, and this while we speak openly. Of course, they invite individuals in there after they figure that they're enough uh, taken over by the demons to uh, peer into these lies that they do. The one uh, that was a snake took off its hood, and I saw short, red, curly hair. <laughs> well, we know this person. This uh, red curly hair represents Eve, who is a mouthpiece for Kevin, who controls her. He has her feigning a conscience, but she doesn't have that. She hasn't had that since those demons were dumped upon her. The poison of snakes is in their heads, representing deception. And the short hair represents rebellion against the Lord. The one that was a frog pulled out a brown wand that was in his right hand. 
the wizard raised his wand and then flicked his wrist, and all of the street lights went out. Well, Kevin has already been identified as a frog in dreams, which represents lust, which Kevin has always been known for. And uh, they can't attack UBM in the light, for we would bring forth the witnesses whom Kevin has been trying to kill off. For instance, he sent a witch to curse, uh, to leave a curse in Sandy's house. Uh, that witch came acting uh, as though she was repenting, but was not, was there to leave a curse. And she left it in Sandy's house. It killed her mother, and it, it missed her. And I asked Lord, why did you let that happen? He said, because her mother wanted to go home, and I wanted them to be guilty. God is holding them guilty for Sandy's murder and her mother's murder. Um, and they wanted to kill her because of her prophetic revelations uh, of, well, Kevin's evil life especially. That's why he wanted to kill her. He sent witchcraft to kill Amber, for she was a witness of him calling her to try to seduce her in the middle of the night twice. And she was a witness of Philip following after him to do the same thing to her. His uh, little girl, he turned into a boy and sent her to Amber's house to try to deceive Alexa, which wasn't possible. Alexa's a wise little girl. Anyway, bisexuality is rampant among the Satanists. They, Satan demands perversion. If you work for him, you've got to be a pervert one way or the other. Okay, this is a revelation that's very clear. And um, it's we called it Seducer Preying on Young Women, Anna Stewart, nine one twenty three. I had the following dream. Uh, I may be representing myself um, or other young women that we know about who were stalked in the same way. True. <coughs> I dreamt that I was a teenager in high school. The high school campus was at my childhood home. It seemed that I was 16 years old. Well, Anna is a very innocent person, and I think that's probably what this represents. She, uh, the, the predators of the children of God, which is what you're going to be listening about here, uh, should know that 16 is still an adolescent teen and not an adult. Kevin tried to talk a teen girl here into running away with him, but she had a lot more sense than he did. There was a uh, a scene where I was on the roof of our old pump house, where the w well of living water springs from, <laughs> uh, spiritually speaking, chipping away and scraping off years of accumulated gunk from the rooftop. Uh, well, I think the rooftop represents the covering uh, given by the blood of Jesus, and this is also our protection. As I removed the blackened gunk, uh, which I believe is the old self-life, 
I was surprised to find that there was honey underneath. Amen. Uh, the Lord's honey words add sweetness to the tongue, which is called a tree of life. Uh, Psalm one nineteen one o three. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Amen. Cleaning off the pump house roof represents, she said, the, the Lord's cleansing process to bring restoration to the personal fountains of living waters to Eve and to the women because she felt like she was also standing in for them, right? Through our prayers, we are pumping uh, the words of life into their future. Yes, we are. And uh, Proverbs uh, 24 and 13 says, My son, eat thou honey, for it is good, and the droppings of the honeycomb, which are sweet to thy taste. Amen. The scene changed back to the campus, and Kevin was there, and he was 35 in the dream. He seemed like a nice man, seemed in the quotation marks. <laughs> it uh, seemed like he and I had known each other in the past, <clears throat> and that's, of course, because we used to be in fellowship as brethren. So at the campus of UBM, both she and her husband had dreams the same night that Kevin molested her. Kevin sent me an email from their phone and name, but I felt suspicious. In other words, he sent it as though it came from them. He used their name, their address, and everything. It was just like it came from them. But I got suspicious. And since it didn't seem like them, uh, so I asked them if they had emailed me, and they said no. He does that. He's done it, did it yesterday, um, emailing uh, uh, Kathleen as though it came from me. And, of course, she asked me something about it. Then I realized, I said, that didn't come from me. Yeah, this is that snake, you know. <laughs> we caught him uh, doctoring old emails uh, to divide people, but the only he only sends them to the victim. And hides them from others uh, for everybody would know the error, you know. So he can't put it out there so it can be, you know, looked at and spoken about. Well, he was very nice to me, she said, and it seemed like he was in love with me. Well, that's just true, i got to tell you. Uh, he was following me around but not pushing the issue of wanting to talk to me. It wouldn't have been acceptable among us, obviously. I uh, wasn't attracted to him, just attracted to the idea of him loving me. Well, the spirits of lust Kevin sent out use the emotions and make one feel like they want him, but are really just deceptive. He has a spirit of seduction and acting. He's only lustful. That's the whole problem. But I had this a subconscious feeling that something wasn't right. It was like I knew that a 35-year-old man pursuing a 16-year-old should be a huge red flag. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. 
So being only 16 years of age is considered, of course, uh, below the age of consent for sexual contact. And knowing that the difference between right and wrong, having our senses exercised by the word, Hebrews 5 and 14. But solid food is for full-grown men, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. I couldn't quite get my mind around the fact that he was just lusting after me. It was like I was blinded because of my desire to be loved. Well, the spirits of lust blind the young by using the emotions and desires for love and confuse their minds. I wanted to walk away from him, but he seemed so nice and like he really uh, cared about me. Well, he does seem that way, but it's not true. (laughs) I subconsciously knew that he wasn't as he seemed, but it was like my knowledge of who he was had been taken away. Well, that's exactly what happened to Eve. She knew this guy as the snake that he is, but now he's just adored. I'll explain that in a minute. I knew he really wasn't a good man, but I couldn't remember why. Well, the factious send witchcraft spirits with confusion and doubt and unbelief. I was really struggling between wanting to be loved by him and wanting to walk away and not look back. There was this strange pull trying to draw me to him. With my reasoning, I wanted nothing to do with him, but my emotions were being manipulated towards him. Well, we bind all their witchcraft, control, and manipulation to seduce and capture other women. Kevin has lusted after Anna for years. We've all known this. Uh, A spirit called Asmodeus is the principality of the spirit spouse and is also over incubus and succubus demons that molest people. Uh, Asmodeus uses spells or enchantments to make women supernaturally attracted to him. Like this dream, even though uh, before this, they wouldn't go near this person. Kevin is a serial seducer and uses this, uh, this demon. He still stalks Anna on our broadcast and other young women. It's been revealed to us. He stalked Eve for years on her phone and computer and finally uh, captured her. Now she believes everything he says. He has fallen into faction four times since 2011, and she saw this corruption every time. But now she just told us that he was right and just trying to turn us from our ways, and we were all wrong. (laughs) So how quick they forget under that witchcraft. You see, it's a total turnabout. Everything is backwards to them. Kevin's truck was a pretty blue, and um, uh, she said, this is a false, righteous, heavenly color. Yes, he imagines himself or tries to display himself as a, a good person, but he's not. So, meaning he has an acting spirit that acts righteous, which he imparted to Eve. 
Yes, when we were casting demons out of Eve before she left, one of them was an acting spirit because she had had relations with him. The scene changed and I was standing next to Kevin's truck and David and Michael were there. David was smiling and kind but urging me to flee from Kevin. Well, we just have to resist the devil and all his tactics of deceptive charm and and lustful seduction. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that no advantage may be gained over us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Yes, we've learned a lot about his devices uh, in the last few years. He was so calm, but told me I should flee like it was for my life. This is true. I can't get this across to people. You have to flee like it is for your life. There are people that have been dumbed down by this since 2011 and taken by their seduction and uh, manipulated and uh, made whores um, and enjoying it because of the demons that they dump on them. And, um, and I was, and she, of course, she said, and go where Kevin couldn't find me. So we are to be hidden by abiding in Christ, right? And I knew it would be hard to flee because he was always hanging around close by. <clears throat> yeah, that's what stalkers do. Um, we need to be remain fully armored with the Word of God, Ephesians six ten through twenty, and uh, continue to bind the demons operating through their witchcraft and curses, and loose the angels to protect people. Then I saw a GPS map with my vehicle driving this way and that, trying to flee in unpredictable ways. I saw a line behind mine that was Kevin's vehicle following my trail. He was far behind me, yet he always caught up close to where I was. Uh, Well, you can do that with that equipment, right? I suddenly realized that he was actually stalking me and just how creepy he was. There was no way for him to know where I was, yet he was always able to follow me, shortcutting close to where I was every time. In other words, cutting off, you know, shortcutting. Well, I remember when Philip had an app on his phone, that's his disciple, uh, so he always knew where his wife was even when she ran away from him one time. He showed it to us. He learned everything from Kevin. So we bind all of Kevin's spying and stalking spirits and uh, declare that they are all null and void. And we cast down the powers and the principality operating through him in Jesus' name. The dreams and visions have shown him stalking other women. That's the end of the dream. Uh, but she said, I also had a dream a couple of years ago where Kevin was in a blue truck spying on us. And there was a fire in the house where we met. But Kevin ended up fleeing for his life after being shot at by David, who was target shooting into the field where Kevin happened to be hiding and spying from. 
And she said, I thought this might be some direction for warfare for Eve and other women. Yes, it is so much. Thank you so much. Okay, this is a word about Kevin and Eddie. A very pertinent word. Um, David Timoshuk, 6-23. He said, I was led to pray for all the persecutors and family, and I kept repeating, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen. Then this morning, while preparing the jalapenos, these words kept repeating in my head. Kevin and Eddie have fallen by their own swords. And shortly after, I heard the words, It is finished. What does that mean? Well, our Lord said, I will curse them who curse you. In other words, and he also said about turning their traps back on themselves and trapping them many times in Proverbs and Psalms. So, their curses are coming out of their own mouths. They don't know they're going to come and pile up on them because that's what God does. Uh, Psalm thirty-seven, twelve through 15 says, The wicked plotteth against the just. Constantly, they have nothing to do. They don't have a ministry to keep up and to feed people and anything like that. They don't do nothing like that. The only thing they do is destroy people, period. That's it. They have plenty of time to plot, you know. And gnash upon him with his teeth. The Lord will laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Yes, it is. That's what the Lord showed us, that the prophetic revelations that we got uh, were coming, and there wouldn't be anything to do about it. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay such as are upright in the way. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Notice, their own sword enters into their own heart. Right? The, the judgments they speak will come on them. And this is a dream of judgment uh, that's coming. Uh, Elena Timoshuk, 8.30.23. Um, I dreamt that I was in the Walmart parking lot with my mom and daughters. We had set up uh, camping chairs in the back and were there to watch a meteor shower to see a sign in the sky. Well, this is a sign others have mentioned of the coming judgments. And also the stars falling to the earth represents a falling away of the star glory saints, or at least a portion of them according to the scriptures. And while we were waiting, I saw chaos happening all around me. I knew that everyone was boycotting the grocery stores, and anyone who was weak and would enter to get groceries for their family, the people boycotting would attack them. Well, let me say the grocery stores represent the churches who supply spiritual food, some of them anyway, and uh, the attackers are the factious Satanist terrorists. Some were even lighting their cars on fire to scare off anyone else from trying to shop. 
Well, they'll do anything to stop anybody from coming here and receiving the food that they need. They've done it from the beginning. Satan in them hates what we do and hates what we say. It's scriptural. They don't put anything scriptural on their site. They're into psychiatry now. He's a great psychiatry enthusiast, and when he passes on that garbage to people, they go berserk. Uh, and Eve, too, she passed it on. She got it, and then she went berserk, and she passed it on to others, and they went berserk. <laughs> so they do their best to deprive anyone of the gospel salvation that they really need. And I thought, she said, that I uh, needed to wake up and tell my husband my dream, but then slipped into another one. I was with my husband in my parents' house, and my girls were asleep in another room. I started sharing my dream with him and noticed a massive storm approaching. In other words, judgment coming. I knew we needed to be in a safe room during the storm, so I went to get my daughters, and I saw that my oldest had woken up and gone outside and was playing with a cousin. I ran out and got her and told the other little girl to run home because a huge storm is coming, and the wind had already picked up to really strong winds. Well, people need to be warned. A huge judgment is on the way. We've been warned. We've had many of these. My little cousin excitedly asked me if we were going to heaven, and I told her, not just yet. <laughs> Then again, I started thinking that I needed to tell my husband my dream, but that I needed uh, to get a verse by faith at random first, and uh, two places from the Bible popped into my mind, uh, Matthew eleven twenty two and Mark 11 and 13. I had no idea what these verses were, but I knew the Lord put them in my mind. And then I woke up so I could write them down before I forgot them. Matthew eleven twenty two, But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And, because they knew better, right? And there are people out there who have been educated in the ways of the Lord and knew better, and they turned away from God. Mark 11 and 13. And seeing a tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. Well, where he was passing over towards Jerusalem, he was on the Mount of Abominations, it was called, when he found no fruit. Any fruit growing out of that would be bad anyway. What fruit can a factious Satanist have? By their works, they have denied the Lord and his fruit of the word. You can't change their mind with any words. And they break all of the words. They break all of God's laws and all of man's laws. So I felt this dream was telling me the Lord's judgment is coming very quickly. I agree so. And here's one that kind of pushes that, too. A tsunami judgment coming. And this is Tiana Fire 2823. 
I dreamt that we were with the local brethren and we all lived next to each other in a community. A warning came from God in an audible voice, and he said, A tsunami is coming. Well, tsunamis are destructive surges of water that can hit land, of course, and this could represent a spiritual tsunami bringing judgment on the wicked, as we have received before. First John 4 and 17 says, Herein is love made perfect with us, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, even so are we in this world. An awesome promise there. The brethren were all cheering that God had given warning this time. The brethren spoke about the last time there was a giant tsunami and storm, but God didn't tell them it was coming and that it had wiped out everyone except the UBM brethren. Well, God gives us warnings of judgment so we can be ready ourselves and warn others so that they can repent from sin and turn to the Lord. And many judgments will wipe out the wicked. Last time, everyone was in the water and having to tread over all the waves, and all the brethren were gathered near each other in the water. Well, the body of Christ needs to stay together, the true body of Christ. The rest don't belong there. Um abiding above the water because the water represents the curse curses spoken in the word of God which is the water and not let factions separate them that's what the devil wants to do divide and conquer that's why these people are out there trying so hard to do that it was so dark and there were storms and vicious waves for three days they had to do this well, I believe the storms and treading of the waves of water represents the trials and tribulations that we go through being tried by the Word in our death of the old man. The three days represent the time Jesus was dead in the tomb. And so, uh, because of their faith and strength in Christ, they were preserved, but all the other people were taken out by the tsunami. Well, it's true. Some people don't can't have any faith in what they haven't studied or put in their hearts, you know. We need to obey the Lord and and walk the crucified life of death to self. And when we do, we save our souls. Matthew 10 and 22 says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. In John 12 and 25, He that Loveth his life, loseth it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So, uh, she said, I asked some of the sisters how they were able to tread on the water with their, their three children. Each and a few of the children were able to tread themselves, or the children were strapped to their parents with a carrier. Well, parents are to teach their children the Word and how to walk by faith so that they know how to go through trials too. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen says, And you shall teach them to your children, talking of them when thou sittest in thy house, 
and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, staying above the ways represents overcoming the curse of death by faith. Okay. I honestly had much fear or maybe having to tread in dark open water, and I was worried about sharks. But the brethren said, because God has warned us this time, we won't have to do that. Well, he warns you so you will escape, right? (laughs) Of course. And when we go through our trials in faith and obedience and overcome them, we don't have to go through them again and again. We all grabbed what we needed and walked to the highest point on the biggest hill in the town. I believe that represents our walk to get to Mount Zion and be in Jerusalem, uh, which is the bride and also a safe place. Right? And when we got to the top, there was a giant tree that we all climbed and got on top. Hmm. This giant tree, I believe, represents the tree of life, who is Jesus. Uh, Proverbs 3 and 18 She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. That's wisdom being spoken of. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. Amen. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, to him will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And in Revelation twenty two fourteen and 15, Blessed are they that wash their robes, that they may have the right to come to the tree of life, and may enter in by the gates into the city. Without are the dogs, the sorcerers, which is the same for witchcraft, right? And the fornicators, and the murderers, and the idolaters, Well, so if you're a factious Satanist, if you don't repent, you are not going to be in this place. And everyone that loveth and maketh a lie. Psalm 92 and 12 says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Well, we could see the view over the whole town and the water, and there was a giant storm forming and waves rushing. This giant storm forming likely is the deep state planned attacks. Um, And I believe that because it's been given to us many times. Um, And as well as the tribulation period, which is soon to start. But she said, we, we then saw other people from the town running to the hill to try to get up higher. Then giant waves started rushing through the town, and everyone not on the hill was washed away. Some people wait too late, don't they? So the hill represents the high places in God that are above the curses, and, and many people are unaware of the coming storm. We need to be abiding in Christ now, dwelling in heavenly places, which is by faith in His promises. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6 says, uh, Even 
when we were dead through our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved and raised us up with him and made us to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So these heavenly places on the top of the mountain, on the top of the tree and all that, uh, that's abiding in Christ Jesus. Some other people were on the hill and started running to the top. But then another giant wave crashed on the hill and everyone not on the tree was taken out. The storm lasted about five days, but we were all content praising God from the tree. And again, UBM brethren were the only ones left alive from the town. Well, the tree of life is the tongue of the righteous that confesses the promises, as the word clearly says. And uh, UBM represents all those out there that believe the unleavened bread of the word. Many people pick and choose, and they don't have any sense of the supernatural ability and power of the word to save and to deliver. Okay, this we call, this is our Father's heart. And this is Debbie Finsky prophesying 8 6, 23. I finished writing down what I was hearing from the Lord. I got hesitant about it. I was thinking about using coins for confirmation, so I asked the Lord, Father, shall I blog this? And Father said, Be led by my spirit. I simply said, I know, Lord. Then he said to me, What did you hear? What did you feel? I told Father, I heard you speaking, and I felt your heart. And I received nothing back from the Lord then, and knew that I was being led by His Spirit, and that I had been hearing His heart. I was laying on my couch, listening to this constant rolling thunder. It was beautiful. So then I heard, quote, Do you hear the thunder? I said, Yes, Lord, it's beautiful. He said, So is my voice that is continually speaking. I will not stop until all who have I who I have called to myself have heard my call. But woe unto those who have heard but will not respond to me. For them is coming tremendous woe. And there is much woe coming to my sheep who have become lost and do not want to find their way back ignoring any of my guidance. They have been lost too long and no longer have a conscience. This is the people that have um, faction and witchcraft on them. They don't have a conscience. They may fake a conscience, but they don't have it. They'll fake a conscience in order to deceive you or to send you some slander, but they don't have a conscience. The day is nigh that will be woe unto them, the woe to those who I have been calling to myself, and out of my great mercy for them, I have sent my ambassadors, my witnesses to them. And some of them only like the message they hear, and some only like the thought of a life walking with me. But woe unto them, for I almost had them, but they too wait too long." and they let themselves grow cold 
to the slightest drawing that they feel from me, to my slightest call of their name. And though they hear, they reject. Their life is this world um, is much too important. They are idols unto themselves and will not be freed. So I let them go. Woe to them, for there is glory coming. Great revival is coming that will bring back my lost, but tender ones who have hearts still tender towards me. I felt to ask Father, Lord, what is it that you want to tell us to do? I tell you and all, stop wasting time praying for those who by their lives and their reactions to my son and the teachings they once knew and embraced, but now have rejected. For I say, I have already rejected them. He told me that about Kevin and Eddie. In fact, I put my finger down on a word that said just exactly that. I have rejected them. So then I was thinking to myself, well, how do we know who those would be? Father heard my thoughts and said, Listen to my voice. You will know. Pray instead for the multitudes ready to embrace me and my kingdom through the mighty word preached from my sons who I will fully dwell in and the mighty signs and wonders that they will perform. Right now I see the glory. I know those who are mine and I know those who never have been mine and those who are mine no longer. Very soon all who I have chosen will be mine, bearing my name. I will move in mighty ways for the final bringing in of my precious true Israel. This mighty move is close, and you believe it is close, but I tell you that it is yet closer than you think. Be busy preparing yourself in me, my sons and daughters, I see that there is still much of this world in you that you need to let go of. Have you been understanding what I have been saying, what you have already been hearing? Do you understand the shortness of time? Are you being moved by the woes of the people of this world? I say examine yourselves and be moved by the state of your own heart. I say this is the time to let go. This is a call to you, my people. This is the time to be prepared. Put off any love you have for this world. Put off this slothfulness that I see. Be prepared. Be ready. So we receive this one called Our Heavenly Protection. Marie Kelton, 8, 11, and 22. I had an open vision of the Lord sitting next to me. He said, Eat from my, the hand of God. He then opened his hand and I saw food in it. All right. I would say that to those out there that are slacking on any of that. You know, uh, talk to the Lord. He will take care of it. John six fifty one. I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Yea, and the bread which I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. In Proverbs 9, 4, and 5, Whoso is simple, 
let him turn in hither. As for him that is void of understanding, she saith unto him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Amen. And we know that that is wisdom speaking. Jesus is the wisdom of God, as we know. Thank you, Lord. I then saw two big angels standing by the side door with spears in their hands in the living room. And I was asking the Lord about the demons that attack my mind all the time. One of the angels walked up to me, and I could hear the cracking of his armor. I knew he was there to help me, and I asked him to help with spirits attacking me. Well, Hebrews 1 and 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to do service for the sake of them that shall inherit salvation? Yes, that's true. That's what they do. You have to call upon them. You can send them, etc., etc. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. John 14 and 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, that will I do. I then saw a huge demon to my right. The angel took his spear and stabbed the demon with it. And when the angel pulled out the spear, I saw black liquid on it. They don't have blood, do they? (laughs) Black liquid. I then saw two angels walking with a demon in between them. And they were holding it up. The angels then stopped. And the demon was kneeling. Philippians 2, 9 and 11 says, 9 through 11, Wherefore also God highly exalted him and gave unto him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the sun, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In Ephesians 6 and 12, For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Colossians 2 and 15, Having despoiled the principalities and the powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Amen. Then I saw the Lord walk up and take a sword and cut the demon's head off. Mm -hmm. So her prayers were answered. (laughs) Amen. And, And as they all will, that when we believe we have received, right? Okay, we call this escaping evil. It's anonymous, 12, 12, 22. And this, uh, I dreamt that I was a child and living in an orphanage in the middle of nowhere. There were many other children and workers there. Well, as we'll see, this represents the children of God in captivity to the factious Satanists. A group of the children had run away from the orphanage to the forest 
because some of the workers there had been sexually abusing the children. So that's representing the Satanists and their sexual exploitation of God's children. Uh, in other words, we're seeing it to be God's children here. And Genesis 6:11, and the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. I wanted to leave too because I didn't want anything to do with that. So I and two other children planned to leave. And uh, she says, Lot and his two daughters escaped Sodom. Genesis 19 and 17. And it came to pass that when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all of the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. It's, it's a word that is very pertinent today. Do something. Run to God, right? It was lunchtime, and all the children were playing in the playground. My friends came up to me and told me that they were going to run away right now. I said that I haven't packed my bag yet. (laughs) They said they would go out of the school and wait in the forest for me. And they ran off, and I went into my room to pack my bag. And to get my to get to my room, I had to walk past one of the men that had been abusing the children. I was praying uh, in my heart that he wouldn't notice me as if I was invisible and he wouldn't see me. Well, Colossians three and three says, "For you died, and your life is hid with the Christ in God." And in Psalm 91, we can claim our secret place of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of His wings, right? So I went into my room, and anybody thinking they're going to leave the factious cults, you need to claim this this invisibility. Yeah, because when they see your heart, they're going to attack you, as we've had dreams about. I went into my room and I packed everything I could in my bag, including water. I was making a lot of noise trying to find everything quickly. I also was afraid because I was alone in the room and uh, not only was I scared of getting caught trying to escape, but I feared him trying to do something evil to me. Yes, and he does do that kind of evil. I had the bag almost fully packed when the man walked into the room and he grabbed something from a desk. He walked straight past me and couldn't even see me even though I was in plain sight. So claim your invisibility. They like to attack people. They want to bring them into bondage. God answered the prayer to be made invisible, as we can see, and, um, and not to be seen by the wicked. So do it. Do it now. They see people they want, and they just send these, this garbage on them to take them out, just like Satanists do around the world. Luke 4 and 30, But he passing through the midst of them went on his way. Now, how is that going to happen? He was standing on the edge of a cliff, and all these people were piled up behind him. <laughs> all these uh, factious people. 
were piled up behind him. I escaped and ran off to join my friends in the woods. We spent the next few days trying to survive there, avoiding animals, trying to keep warm at night and not to give in to fear of the scary animal sounds we heard. Well, the predator beasts can be bound like Daniel in the lion's den and Paul shaking off the serpent into the fire, right? You can do this. And also, we had a lot of trouble trying to find food and not going the wrong way. Well, Revelation 12 and 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath there a place prepared of God, that there they may nourish her a thousand two hundred and three score days. We honestly had no idea where we were and where we were going. All we had ever known was this orphanage, so we had no idea what to expect because we never had contact with the outside world. Well, Hebrews 11 and 8, By faith Abraham, when called, obeyed to go out unto a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and went out not knowing whither he was going. Yes. And Second Corinthians 5 and 7, For we walk through faith and not through sight. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three: A man's goings are established of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So, if you are a righteous person, don't worry, you will go there. You'll put it in your mind, uh, or he'll put it in your actions, it doesn't matter. He'll get you there. After about three days of being in the forest, we found a house hidden in the woods. No one was home, so we snuck in through a window and went through the house. Uh, took some food, and we went and hid upstairs in a bedroom that didn't look like it was regularly used. We heard someone walking around the house, and we knew someone lived there. We tried our best to stay hidden. We wanted to stay here because it was better than being in the woods, especially at night. And we could secretly go find food in the house when we felt a person wasn't there or when we thought they were asleep. We stayed in this room for a little while, but we ended up going into the attic. We hadn't been in the attic long before this elderly man came up and found us. He was very kind and caring and loving, which is something we hadn't experienced before. <laughs> no, not among the factious. You won't find that. Um, their, their caring and loving is a, an act to get something from you. They're seducers. The elderly man represents the man-child company, and they teach the children in the wilderness who have escaped from Egypt, or come out of Sodom, right? And when we were in the orphanage, all the children were always in fear of the workers and only had other children to console in. The man let us stay in this place for a while feeding us and talking with us, and he built up a trust with us, and we confessed where we were from and why we ran away. 
Well, we all have to start out as children and learn to trust the Lord. Uh, by His grace, we can have a healthy relationship with Him where we can be uh, nurtured and grow to our authority over the evil spirits in people. He told us that there had been many children before us that had run away for the same reasons. That he had his house here for a long time and that he had helped many other children in our situation. He told us there was a man who ran away as a child and that he had taken him in and raised him. And now this man lives in another town, and he always tries to help children in any way he can, because he understands and had experienced the same evil abuse as a child. That's what I told you Eve was in there for, remember? Okay, the man-child will raise up disciples in the Lord's image to raise up the church in the wilderness. Yeah. The elderly man called him, and he said that he and his wife will take us in and raise us as his own. And they came and picked us up, and we went to live in their house, and they were very friendly, gentle, and understanding. And then I woke up. Well, true disciples all over the world will be taking in the younger refugees of the wicked to nurture them in the Lord. And let me say this, everybody, please pay attention. Uh, please, everyone, send up prayers for the missionaries who are hiding and hungry and in need. Pray for their health and deliverance. Send in your offerings for them. We don't keep these. We don't keep any of this. It goes right straight to them. And pray for the other victims of these factious Satanists, both here and abroad. Thank you so much for your listening hearts. And uh, thank you for uh, entering into prayer and supplication. In Jesus' name, God bless you and keep you. Now, Michael's going to come and share something with you and the brethren, and please pay attention. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. Good to be back with you again. Let's go ask the Lord to bless us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do. We ask that you bless us today to get this word out about the fruitful and unfruitful branches of you. And uh, Father, we thank you that it will be a blessing to talk all those out there, that some will be able to uh, uh, repent and come on back into the kingdom because of uh, being deceived. Lord, And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Well, all right, that's what I want to talk about, the fruitful or unfruitful branches. So let's start out by looking at Paul's uh, exhortation in Corinthian, 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. Now I make known unto you, brethren, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received. So he's talking about Christians here, as you can readily see there. Wherein also you stand, by which also ye are being saved. It says you are saved in, in translation, but it should be 
being saved, like it says in the numerics. If you hold fast, so here's a condition here to being saved. You're being saved if and only if you hold fast the word. That means that all those churches out there preaching unconditional eternal security or ultimate reconciliation or any other such nonsense have cut all the ifs out of their Bibles. Now, what that also means, they've been lying to you. First Corinthians 15 and 1 says, Now I make known unto you, brethren, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye received, wherein also ye stand, by which also ye are being saved. If, there's that if again, you hold fast the word which I preached unto you, except ye believed in vain. And that's pretty sad because there's people out there who believe and are Christians, but they don't hold fast to the word. And so they end up believing in vain. And it's important what you believe about the word. And it's important that you believe only what thus saith the Lord. Because these are the words of eternal life, as Peter said in John 6.68. And there's only one seed, folks. There's only one seed which is the seed of the scriptures that can recreate in, in you the living, true Christ. And that's what God considers to be your fruit. That one seed is found in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Then uh, let's go on here. The parable of the sower explains how important it is that you hold fast the original word, which the first disciples preached. And you'll find that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, verse 24, and then chapter 3 and verse 11, and then 2 John 1 and 6. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. Too many people got another Jesus out there because the men that are leading them don't hold fast to the word. Folks, there's only one word <clears throat> that's going to bring forth the fruit of Christ. And that's the seed, which is Jesus Christ, the sower. That's the seed which brought forth and one out of the four types of people that 30, 60, and a hundredfold fruit of Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to know what the fruit looks like, all you got to do is look at Jesus. And if you say you abide in him, you have to walk like he walked because he's our demonstration. You don't look to these modern day preachers because most of them have fallen away from the truth. So over in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, so let us hold fast the confession of our hope that it waver not for he is faithful that promised. We have to be he that endureth to the end to be saved as it says in Matthew 10, 22. And over in Colossians, that somewhat repeats that. Look at uh, chapter 1 and verse 21. And you, being in time past, alienated, and enemies in your mind, in your evil works. Well, he's talking about Christians here, isn't he? And then verse 22. Yet now hath he, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. And if you remember, reconcile means to exchange completely. Now, who's responsible for making that exchange? You are. 
you are the ministers of reconciliation, Galatians 2 and 20. And it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. You cause the reconciliation. You cause the exchange to come to pass. And you do that by your faith and your confession. Because it says in James chapter 2 and 17, faith, if it have not works, is dead in itself. And when you have faith, you walk it and you talk it out. In other words, your actions agree with your faith. That's what causes that reconciliation to continue. Now, we understand that the exchange is the life of Christ for our life because fruit is Christ in you, the hope of glory of Colossians 1.27. Fruit is the 30, 60, and a hundredfold fruit of the word sown in the heart, just like the parable of the sower shows us. And by our faith, we consider it already done. Jesus said in Mark 11, 24, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. When you believe you have received something, you can confess it with confidence. And that goes ahead and agrees with Colossians 1, 22. It says, yet now, and that Greek word there means at this instant, immediately. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. If, there's that if again, so be that you continue in the faith. Not just any faith is going to bring the reconciliation to pass. Only faith in the gospel, faith in the true word, and the true promises are going to cause you to bring forth that fruit. Religions have fallen short of this. And that's the reason they're not producing people who walk in the steps of Jesus. They only produce people that are holding a form of godliness, but having denied the power up from these also turn away. Second Timothy 3 and 5. And the apostle certainly knew what was fixing to happen. And so he said, go ahead and turn away from them. Colossians 1.23, if so be that you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And that word hope in the Greek means firm expectation. Which ye heard, which was preached in all creation under heaven, whereof I, Paul, was made a ministry. Praise God forevermore. We're not to be moved away from the good news. Because the salvation of your soul, the reconciliation, is not the beginning of your faith. It's the end of your faith. First Peter 1 and 9 tells us that. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Now to Abraham were the promises spoken, and to his seed. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So the promises were spoken to Abraham and his one seed. The promises were not spoken to you outside of Christ. They were spoken to you if you abide in Christ. Verse 17 says, Now this I say, a covenant confirmed beforehand by God, the law, which came 430 years after, 
doth not disannul, and that word disannul means I annul, make of no effect, cancel, invalidate. And it goes on and says, so as to make the promise of no effect. The promise to Abraham and to Jesus are still in effect, folks. It's the law that's not still in effect. That law is done away with. Verse 18, for if the inheritance is of the law, it is no more of promise. But God hath granted it to Abraham by promise. What then is the law? It was added because of transgressions. You see, the main covenant was the promise to Abraham. And then the law was added afterward because of transgressions. And it goes on and says, till the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was ordained through angels by the hand of a mediator. Folks, the Old Testament law is over. It has vanished. It was only meant as a temporary measure to help people, to help keep people from transgressing, overstepping, deviating beyond the boundaries that were set by God. The law was in effect only until the seed, and who is the seed? That's Christ, should come to whom the promise hath been made. And then it's a very simple type in the shadow, just like the Bible says, and of greater things that are to come, and the greater covenant which has already taken its place. Hebrews 8 and 13. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. But what? But that which is becoming old, you know, when he said old in referring to the first com, com, covenant, he meant something that was passing away. 2 Corinthians 3, 12 and 14. And that something new had come to replace it. And it goes on and says, And waxeth aged is nigh unto vanishing away. Well, if the promise was to Abraham and to Christ his seed, how do we appropriate this blessing? You have to be in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have the blessing. Now let's look some more at what it means to be in Christ. First John 5 and 10 said, He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in him. Now that word witness here is the same word as testimony in both the Hebrew and the Greek. Moses the man child brought the two witnesses to the people of God and they broke them. And those tables were the written word of God. That was his testimony. And the Bible says in John chapter 7 and verse 30, 38, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When there's the witness or, or testimony. That's it. It's the spirit of the word that all believers receive, Romans 8 and 9. And, and, and take the, notice this. We must believe on him as the scripture has said, not adding to or taking away from it. First John chapter 5 and verse 10. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in him. He that believes not God had made him a liar 
because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his son. And notice that if the preachers are changing any part of the witness, the testimony concerning the son, concerning the word of what he came to do, concerning his sacrifice, concerning the provision that he left us as heirs, if they're changing any of this, then they're making God out a liar. And you can tell they're making God a liar because they're not turning out people that look like Jesus. Second Corinthians 3 and 18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit, and since they're not turning out people that look like Jesus Christ, they're not sowing the right seed. It's their seed they're sowing, not God's seed. God's seed is his witness, his testimony that he bore concerning his son. First John 5 and 11 says, And the witness is this, that God gave unto us eternal life. Well, yeah, he did, but he adds a condition to that gift. And this life is in his son. He didn't put the gift of eternal life in your hand. Eternal life is in Christ. That's where he put the gift. Galatians 3 and verse 16 says, To Abraham were the promises spoken, and to his seed, which is Christ. The promise was made to Christ, not to you. It is only to you if you abide in the son. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Life comes from abiding in Jesus Christ. People have said, God's given me eternal life and he can't take it back. I have unconditional eternal security. No. People who say that are deceived because God didn't do that. He gave eternal life to Christ. So if you don't abide in Christ, you don't have it. That's another uh, reason why people fall away. They think all they need to do is shake a preacher's hand and accept Jesus and they've received something. No, you got to abide in Christ. If you're in Christ, you will be doing what Christ does. We are called the body of Christ. Who lives in the body of Christ? He does. Now it's a word of faith. But so many people who call themselves Christians don't abide in Christ. They don't abide in his body, doing his works, thinking his thoughts, doing his deeds, appropriating his blessings, and on and on and on. God gave unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Therefore, we have to abide in the Son to have it. First John 5 and 12 said, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not the life. Second John 1 and 9, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not. Now, that word abide is also tra- translated remain, stay, Wait, endure, continue, live, sojourn, and tarry. Abideth not in the teaching of Christ, hath not God. Folks, you can get saved, and you can have a born-again spirit. 
but then you could walk on believing some other word than the teaching of Christ or his apostles, and then you don't have God. You've lost him. Go back. Get into the word of God for yourself and once again confirm what he says so you know what to believe. Did you know there are over 40,000 denominations today? Now, how many of you know they all can't be right? Only the word of God is right. Second John 1 and 9 says, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the teaching of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the teaching, and you abide in the teaching so you can have God. Then it goes on and says, The same hath both the Father and the Son. Verse 10. If anyone comes unto you and brings not this teaching, receive him not into your house and give him no greeting. For he that gives him greeting partakes in his evil works. You better pay attention to that if you don't want to put yourself under the same curse that those evil works brought on them. So in Christ is the only place you can claim the gift of eternal life because your eternal life is who? That's Jesus Christ. That's his nature in you. And that, folks, is eternal life. First John 2 and 4 said, He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And it's true. There are people out there make all kinds of excuses for not keeping his commandments. And the doctrine of unconditional eternal security is one of the main excuses. It teaches that you can't be lost even though you don't keep his commandments. But if you were keeping his commandments, you wouldn't be in that dead church that they teach lies every Sunday. You wouldn't be in a dead church that doesn't have the power of God and that isn't filled with the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't be there. First John 2 and 4 says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily hath the love of God been perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. All of your provisions is in him. And you can't claim it in any other place than abiding in him. Verse 6. He that saith he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. We have to believe exactly what God said. The witness that God gave concerning his son. We don't have to believe anything else. And anybody who teaches anything else, you're not even supposed to have anything to do with it. Now, didn't Jesus say the exact same thing here in John 15 and 1? I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit. Well, you can get him, you can get in him to begin with, but what he's watching for is to see whether you're going to bear fruit. Because if you're in him, you ought to be bearing his fruit. And it goes on to say, he taketh it away. Folks, we're watching this happen even now with the faction movement that's going on around the world. He is snatching people out of the body. Matthew thirteen forty one. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, 
and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that cause stumbling in them that do iniquity. The factious become offended over nothing. And then, you know what happens? They're gone. They're being gathered in bundles to burn them, just like he said he'd do with the tares at the end of time. And then in Matthew 13 and 43, it says, Shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father? And then John 15 and 2, Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes it away. And folks, if he taketh it away, is not a falling away, I don't know what is. If you were in him, and then you're out of him, that's a falling away. The fruit of the branch is the fruit of Christ. And remember, the fruit was the fruit of the seed that Jesus, the sower, sowed into hearts. The fruit's not you going out and saving another 30, 60, or 100 souls, as some teach. That's ridiculous. Because all you have to do is just read it, and you can see the fruit. It's the fruit of the seed that Jesus sowed, which is the Word of God. And the most important thing you can do is to put the Word of God in your heart. Because if you don't do that, you're going to fall away. You have to feed the spiritual man, and that is Jesus Christ in you. You have to feed him. And he only lives on the Word of God and the breath of the Holy Spirit. John 15, 2 says, Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes it away. The Greek word there as taketh it away means pruned or purged or eliminating what's fruitless by purifying. And of course, pruning can be painful. But if you're sapping the strength that comes from Jesus Christ by getting into too many other things, it's like burying your talent over in the earth. And if you're doing that, he's going to cut something, he's going to cut some things off from you. Some people make idols and those idols are sapping their strength. And if you'll notice that all through the Bible, God judged people's idols. Be careful that you don't make an idol. Don't make an idol out of your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, any of your family or your church or your preacher or your job or even some hobby that you got. Whatever it might be, don't make an idol. Anything that you make out of an idol, God's going to cut it off because it's sapping your strength that belongs only to the Son. John 15 and 2 says, Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he proves it. Some verses say, Taketh it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he proves. And that also translated cleans. It that it may bear more fruit. Now you don't want to lose a husband or wife because you've made a God out of them and they're ruling your life and your time. But of course we have rules in the scriptures. The head of the woman is the man and the head of the man is Christ. That's in 1 Corinthians 11 verses 2 through 16. That's obeying Christ. That's abiding in Christ. But you don't want to make a God out of your spice to the point where everything revolves around them. You have a relationship with the Lord. And the most important thing for us to do is to obey his word or else we don't abide in him. 
just like we saw. And we can obey his word when we walk by faith. And we have the good confession, the reconciliation. We are ministers of this reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5 and 17. Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, they are become new. But all things are of God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave unto us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not reckoning unto them their trespasses, and having committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We are ambassadors, therefore, on behalf of Christ, as though God were entreating by us. We beseech you on behalf of Christ. Be ye trans, be ye reconciled to God. We make this exchange happen in ourselves. First comes the spirit of Jesus Christ. And then as you obey that spirit, the soul of Jesus Christ. And if you've obeyed in the soul, you'll have a new body too. And when we preach the gospel to other people, we make this exchange happen in them. And they repent of the old man and the new man begins to come in. And so he prunes his people to help them bear more fruit. And if you waste your time by not bearing fruit, you're going to be thrown out. You're going to be spewed out of the body of Christ. Revelation 3 and 16 means you're rejected. You have fallen away. John 15 and 3 says, Already you are clean because of the word which I spoke. I have spoken unto you. It's the word that cleans us up. The word transforms us by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What are you transformed into? Christ. And the word creates, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you the hope of glory. You're coming into his image. He's recreate, he's recreating the body of Christ in the earth. The true body of Christ does not look like modern Christians today. That's not the body of Christ. Second Corinthians 6 and 17 says, Wherefore come ye out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. So you need to come out from among them and be separate. John 15 and 4, abide in me. Now listen, if you don't abide in Christ, you're cast forth as a branch. And in you, how do you put Jesus in you? You put Jesus in you through the word because he's the word made flesh, John 1, 14. He's the manna that came down out of heaven that gives life to the world. And this word is the manna. Eat the word. If you want to bear fruit quickly, eat more of the word. Repent of your old life. There has to be a reconciliation, an exchange. You have to give up something to get something. you got to lose your life to gain your life. Jesus said that in Matthew 16 and 25. That's a condition. But people ignore that condition. And if you want more of Jesus' life, then there has to be less of your life because they occupy the same territory. 
2 Corinthians 4 and 16 says, Wherefore we faint not, but through our outward man, oh, I'm sorry, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. John 15 and 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Well, that makes good sense, doesn't it? If it's not connected to the trunk or the vine, a branch is not going to bear fruit. It's going to die. And if you don't stay connected to the Lord because you're refusing to bear the fruit and act on the word, well, you're broken off. You might be sitting on a pew, but it ain't going to make a bit of difference. You're still broken off. John 15 and 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, so neither can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him the same bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, do you want to bear even more fruit? Then put the word of God in your heart and abide in him by keeping his commandments. You can keep his commandments because God's going to give you grace for faith. Do you believe the reconciliation? Well, it happened at the cross. He gave all of his son for all of our old life. Romans 6 and 11. Even so reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. If you believe it's done, God will empower you to bear fruit. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Absolutely. If we don't abide in him, we can do nothing. John chapter 15 and verse 6 says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. This whole passage is talking about abiding in him. And so even though he was there to begin with, he's he. Here, he's cast forth as a branch. Some people say that if a person falls away, that he never was saved in the first place. That's false. We're saying that's not true because this whole text is saying that's a lie. John 15 and 6 says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there it is two more times again. Ask whatsoever you will and it shall be done unto you. Do you know a lot of people who don't get any of their prayers answered? Well, what's the problem? He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatsoever you will. In other words, if this happens, your will is changed. Your will is in agreement with God. It's in agreement with his word. Amos 3 and 3 says, Shall two walk together except they have agreed? We read the scriptures in order to come into agreement with him so that everything we ask is according to his will. And therefore we receive it. He wants us to bear fruit like this. Ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be done unto you. People who come into agreement with God are people with power. 
These are people whose prayer has power to deliver, to save, to heal, to provide. And if you don't have enough power, maybe you ought to spend more time putting his word in you. Because faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word. Romans 10 and 17. Spend more time putting that word in you. There's an uncertainty when you don't know God's will. And it's hard to have faith if you don't know something is God's will, but you'll become convinced what God's will is by watching Jesus, by watching his disciples, by reading about them. And you'll see it's obvious that God's will is to save, to heal, to deliver his people. And you become convinced of that when you put the word in you. When you put the word in you, according to the parable of the sower, you can bear the fruit of Jesus Christ, 36 and 100 fold. He said, ask whatsoever you will, Mark eleven twenty four. What happens when you put the word in you is that it changes your will. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And the contemporary English version says, God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. That's how you get set free, folks. John chapter 8 and verse 36. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And that's how you get set free. He gives you his will. And when you got his will, you're free. Because everything you want to do is what he wants to do. And he gets what he wants. So freedom comes from putting the word of God in you, abiding in him, and him abiding in you. That's good news, folks. That's great news, actually. John 15 and 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. And notice that a disciple is a learner and a follower. And if you can't learn from Jesus and you can't follow him, and you're all caught up in an idolatrous institution with an idolatrous leader in the Nicolaitan era who thinks he's the head of the church, then you're not going to bear a fruit, and you're not going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Preachers are not to make disciples of themselves. They're to make disciples of Jesus. They're supposed to point you to the word to show you how to. Uh, you ought to be a disciple a learner and a follower of Jesus, praise God forevermore. Everything is in Christ. Everything you need is in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Glory to God. Every spiritual blessing, folks, has already been given to you. A spiritual blessing is not necessarily a physical blessing. It's a spiritual blessing, a blessing from the Spirit and in the Spirit. God wants you to have all of your needs met, Philippians 4, 19. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He wants your needs met spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And as you see, if you abide in him and put the word in your heart, you can ask whatever you want. 
And it's going to be done because what you want is what he wants. And since every spiritual blessing is in the heavenly places, where are the heavenly places? That's in Christ. Note again, it says, who hath, that's past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, which are where? In Christ. When you abide in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing, and you got your needs met. God has put all of your provisions there, and you have to go there to get it. Many people want to live and walk outside of Christ. They want to think outside of Christ. And then they wonder why in the world God doesn't do for them these things that he says in his word he's going to do. It's because these things are in the heavenly places. You can't walk on the earth, spiritually speaking, and walk in heavenly places at the same time. Either you're walking worldly and earthly, or you're walking heavenly. If you're in Christ, you're walking in heavenly places because he is the heavenly place. And when you abide in him, you can have what you need because that's where it's provided. It ain't provided outside of him. He didn't give it to you. Remember what it says in Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham were the promises spoken and to his seed. He said not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one unto thy seed, which is what? Which is Christ. And so those people who say that if God gives you a gift, he can't take it back, they don't understand that he didn't have to take it back. Because when you step out of him, you lose it. You're abiding in him, first of all, through your faith. And second of all, through your actions. Since faith without works is dead. If you walk by faith in him, you have all these promises because that's abiding in him too. Then you have all of these promises. They're yours. But if you're in willful rebellion, know that the only promise you have is this in Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and the fierceness of fire which shall devour the adversary. There's your promise right there. If you're walking outside of him, the promise you have is that of a fearful expectation of judgment. And folks, that ain't good. That's his promise. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blemish before him in love. You see, you weren't an afterthought. He had you in mind before Adam ever fell. Did he know Adam was going to fall? Yeah. But he chose you in him, meaning that he knew you needed a Savior. And he provided that Savior before Adam ever fell. Why did God go on with the process? He did that because fallen people who are saved have a great appreciation for God. And they know what's wrong with walking according to the world. Because they've already tried it, they failed, and they understand that God has provided a better way. God does not want ignorant people. He wants people who are trying. And let me tell you, the 
fall is a training. He knew about the fall. God knew about the fall. We're not in plan B. We're still in plan A. God doesn't make plan Bs. He ain't two plans at all. He knew beforehand that Adam was going to fall. And he already knew the uh, answer to everything. He is a great, wonderful, and gracious God. Glory to God. Now, Ephesians 1 and 4 said, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be. Folks, he wants us to be something. We should be holy and without blemish before him in love. He wants you to be this. And the reason we abide in him is to have his holiness and to be without blemish. And if you put the word in you, that word will empower you to walk holy and without blemish before him in love. And if you starve your spiritual man, you're going to die. He needs the word of God to be fed. He's created out of the word of God. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. Having foreordained us unto adoption as sons. Glory to God. It's sons, folks, and not servants. Now, we don't start out as sons. We start out as children. And Paul said that if you're a child, you're a servant, but not a son. Galatians 4 and 1 says, But I say that so long as the heir is a child, he differs nothing from a bondservant, though he is Lord of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the day appointed of the Father. So we also, when we were children, were held in bondage under the rudiments of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that thou art no longer a bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You know what the difference is between a servant and a son? A servant serves because he has to. A son serves because he loves his father. He wants to serve his father. He wants to progress his father's kingdom. He wants to do that. And God has to give you a change of nature to be that kind of a person, a person that doesn't want to offend your father. And you don't care who's looking or who's not looking. You want to serve your father. Ephesians 1 and 5 says, Having foreordained us unto adoption as sons through Jesus Christ unto himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Look at that. He freely bestowed his grace in the beloved. Verse 7, In whom, and again, all of this is in the beloved, in whom we have our redemption. Folks, your redemption is in Christ. Abide there by faith and the works that come from your faith, because faith without works is dead. James 2 and 17, even so faith, if it have not works, is dead in itself. Yea, a man will say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith apart from thy works, and I by my works will show thee my faith. You can't prove you have faith unless you have works that agree with that faith. Ephesians 1 and 7, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. 
which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, making known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in him. There it is again. Verse 10, unto a dispensation of the fullness of the time to sum up all things in Christ. Well, folks, that word things wasn't there in the original Greek, as we all know. There ain't no new numeric pattern in it. And it should always be italicized or in brackets. And it should read to sum up all in Christ. The things in the heavens and the things upon the earth in him, I say in whom also we were made a heritage, having been foreordained. Folks, we're going to find out who was foreordained and who wasn't. According to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we should be unto the praise of his glory, we who had before hoped in Christ. Then let's skip to Ephesians 1 and 13. In whom ye also, having heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Be sure to receive the Holy Spirit, because Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, which is an earnest of our inheritance. And the Greek therefore earnest means a large part of the payment given in advance as a security that the whole will be paid afterwards. Full security backed by the purchaser who supplies sufficient proof they will fulfill the entire pledge or the promise. Saints, you want the supernatural inheritance that God gives to his sons. <coughs> Excuse me. Remember his son, Jesus Christ, received the Holy Spirit that came upon him. John chapter 1, 32 and 33. Was he saved before that? Certainly. And so is everybody who receives the Holy Spirit because God doesn't give the Holy Spirit to unsaved people. He won't put the Holy Spirit in an unclean vessel. Acts 5 and 32. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God hath given to them that obey him. So we have to obey him and we have to abide in him to receive this awesome promise and provision that God has offered. Ephesians 1 and 13 says, In whom ye also, having heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is an earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of God's own possession, unto the praise of his glory. Praise God. You know, one of the most important things to understand about being in him is found in First John chapter 1 and verse 5. And this is the message which we have heard from him and announced unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If you want to know what part of you is not in him, it's that part that's in darkness. It's not a part of him because he is only light. There's no darkness in him. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not the truth. 
We know what darkness is. It's walking according to the prince of the powers of this world. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you did he make alive when you were dead through your trespasses and sins, wherein ye once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, of the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also all once lived in the lust of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. In Christ, he delivered you out of the power of darkness. Glory to God. Colossians 1 and 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father who made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. And if you walk in darkness, either you don't know that or you don't believe that or your lusts have just drawn you away. 1 John 1 and 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, well, how is he in the light? He walks in the truth. He walks according to the word. However, ignorance is an excuse in the kingdom because there are a lot of things you don't know about God, but God doesn't hold that against you. Jason, uh, I'm sorry, James 4 17 said, To him, therefore, that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it's sin. That's a good deal, folks, because God doesn't hold against you everything that the Old Testament held against you in that old covenant. And that was a real hard covenant, but this is the good news covenant we're in now. He doesn't hold your ignorance against you. But there are some things you can't claim to be ignorant of because your conscience tells you differently. And he does hold that accountable to your conscience. And here's another thing. If you don't love your brother, you don't love the Lord. First John 4 20 says, If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he hath not seen. That's what he says. First John 1 and 7 said, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses from all sin. So if you're not abiding in him, if you're not having fellowship with one another, you're in darkness and there should be no communion, none, between light and darkness. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 says, Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what fellowship have righteousness and iniquity, or what communion hath light with darkness? You read the word to find out what is light and what is darkness. For instance, there are people claiming to be Christians who are, as it says in 2 Timothy 3 and 5, holding a form of godliness, but having denied the power thereof. From these also turn away. That's darkness, folks. You don't want to walk there. You can't have fellowship with him if you're walking there. You will grow just so far, and then you'll never grow past that, because if you try to go past that, those people will chase you, and they'll ostracize you. You have to go where you can grow into the image of Jesus, where people believe that that's what you're supposed to do, where people believe that you're supposed to bear the fruit of Jesus. 
But I want you to notice, if you have fellowship with him and you have fellowship with another, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if you don't get along with your brothers, if you don't have peace with your brothers, one of you doesn't have the right spirit, or maybe both of you. One spirit you don't want to have is the spirit of unforgiveness. Because if you have unforgiveness, you're unforgiveness. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you're holding bitterness and unforgiveness against your brother, if you're criticizing your brother, if you're not believing that God saved and reconciled him just like he saved and reconciled you, if you're not having faith for your brother, you're not going to have faith for yourself. In 1 John 1 and 8, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That's, of course, if you're doing a sin. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, listen, this is the most important thing. You have to stay confessed up. <coughs> Excuse me. Or you're going to fall away because the burden of sin will overwhelm you. It's got to be gotten rid of. The very nature of it needs to be washed out of you. And if you're too proud to do this, you're going to fall. You're going to fall away. First John 1 and 9 says, if, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And like I said, the if there, you got to pay attention to it. Circle that verse. It's the most important verse to continue to walk with God. And it goes on and says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. First John 2 and 1, my little children, these things write unto you that you may not sin. And he's telling you here, there's a way to stop sin. First, you cleanse yourself of all unrighteousness by confessing your sin. How are you going to not sin if you have unrighteousness? You need to be cleansed of unrighteousness by confessing your sin in order to not sin. Unrighteousness is what causes sin. So we're talking about the very nature of sin, not about some particular sin that you've done that's held against you. It's the nature of sin in you. First John chapter 2 and verse 1 says, My little children, these things write unto you that you may not sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. And that Greek word means lawyer. Somebody giving evidence that stands up in court. That's a legal advocate. And he makes the right judgment call. He's a helper. He's a comforter. And that's the same word used for the Holy Spirit. Praise God. First John 2 and 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you may not sin. And if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ himself is our lawyer. He's our helper. And in verse 2, and he is the propitiation of our sin. He's the covering. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins of ignorance or failure. And when you failed and you grieved about it, then you got his covering. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Anyone who wants to come to him can come. However, when you want to come, it's because God worked in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2 and 13. 
Now, John 15 and 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. That's what he said. First John 2 and 3, and hereby we know that we know him. If, if, if we keep his commandments, he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. All right, let's look at Revelation 2, where it's also talking about falling away. Revelation 2 and 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, he that walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, thy toil and patience, that thou canst not bear evil men. And we ought not to bear them either, right? And didst try them that call themselves apostles. People who fall away because of their pride and so forth, many of them are calling themselves prophets and apostles. But you need to test them. They need to have the sign of an apostle. And they are not and didst find them false. And thou hast patience and didst bear for my name's sake and hast not grown weary. You know, people do get tired when they don't keep their eyes on the Lord and his promises, which pick you up and give you courage and faith, glory to God. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus and the promises that he's made. And don't get worried or anxious because the devil likes to wear you down. And then before anybody knows it, you're falling away. All right, folks, I'm going to stop right there. And uh, God bless you. And we'll see you again next week. God willing. My thirsting soul, pure as water, made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Jesus.